in the Gospels. I'm going to ask you, if you would, take your Bibles and look up these three scriptures with me. Mark chapter 10, and we'll be looking in verse 42 through 45. And then look in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 1, and then Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. I like to make sure that if I'm going to make a point, that we use the Bible as the foundation for making that point. Uh, I have found over the years that uh, there's some preachers that can take one small point out of the Bible and speak for 30 or 40 minutes, and, and a whole lot of that 30 or 40 minutes may be their own opinion, but I'm just the opposite. I like to voice my opinion very little, and I like the Word of God to speak. That's where the power comes from. So I'm asking you, and I would love for you to find these scriptures in the Bible, and uh, we'll be looking at them in just a few minutes. The title of the message this morning, we, it might kind of catch us off guard. The title of the message, Jesus' Servant, or Jesus being our servant, that is kind of an odd statement, especially... Since the last two weeks, we went through the book of Matthew, and the focus that Matthew had on the book, or the life of Jesus, we see that it was all about being the king. His kingship, and how he is the king of king, and lord of lords, and we were talking about that, and now you're going to turn around, and you're going to tell us this week that he is a servant? Well, both is true. Both is true. And as we started the series of messages... We talked two weeks ago uh, about how, how God was, had sent Jesus to be the king, and we focused on that. Uh, Matthew focused on the kingship of Jesus and how he came to be the king, and that one day how he would rule as king on this earth. And you can look in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 16, and it says the next time we see Jesus coming forth, he is coming forth, and it says... It will have King of kings and Lord of lords on his vesture as he comes and, and takes over and rules on this earth and uh, brings the justice and the wrath of God with him. So that's the first week. We focused on uh, the book of Matthew and each one we spoke about how they saw Jesus' life in a different view or a different focus. When you read through the book of Matthew, you're going to find there are a whole lot of scriptures focused in the, the Old Testament because he focused on how Jesus came as the king for the Jews and they gives, he gives the lineage, he gives the birth. All of this is focused on the book of Matthew. Well, when Mark writes his focus on Jesus' life, watch this. His focus is not on who Jesus was as he was coming as king, but his focus is on, he says, look, I want you to see what Jesus has done while he has come here. His focus is on all of the things that Jesus has done for us. If we call him a servant, now you have to understand in the days that this was written, listen, servants in that day, Nobody really cared anything about their lineage. Listen, if, if they brought a servant to the door and they were looking for a job and they was, they was wanting that servant position, I want you to know they didn't look at their, uh, their background so much of what blood are you from or what family you're from. They would ask something to the effect, do you know how to wash dishes? 
You know how to sweep floors. You're qualified. Come on in. You notice in the book of Mark, when Mark focuses on Jesus' life, he doesn't say anything about his birth or where he came from. I want you to know, Mark's focus is on what Jesus did for the people that were around him and how he did it. That was his primary focus because that was what he was going to be writing about. We'll look at that again in just a minute. When we look at the book of Luke, we notice that that Luke focuses on that Jesus was a man. He talks about Jesus being born into this world. Whole three chapters focuses on how Jesus got here and and the the manger scene and the wise men. All of that is focused on, on Jesus. But it talks about and it uses the term son of man in the book of, of Luke, many, many times, because the focus is that Jesus was a man. We'll focus next week, or maybe the week after, how Jesus was thirsty. He got tired. He was sleepy. He had Listen, Jesus had human emotions, just like you and I. Jesus was tempted, just like you and I, yet without sin. So that's going to be uh, the focus that we'll look at in the book of Luke. And in the book of John... The book of John focuses on Jesus' deity, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is royalty, that He is the one that has come from power. He's descended from heaven in the birth of a uh, giving birth through woman and how He came, but that He is the Son of God, that He rose from the grave. Those are going to be the things that we focus in in the book of John. All right. Before this morning... Again, we're going to go back to the book of Mark, and we want to look at the book of Mark. Now, there's a couple of things about the book of Mark that I want us to notice. When you look in the book of Mark, you're going to notice that it is not in chronological order. When you go to some of the other books, the other Gospels, I mean, it starts at the front, and it's the next day this, and the next day this, and the next day this. That's that's not the way it is in the book of Mark. When you go through the book of Mark, I want you to know you might have two or three paragraphs and it's about this event. And then, immediately after that, Jesus did this. And the next day, Jesus did this. And then Jesus did this. I want you to know it just jumps from from one event to the next in the things that Jesus was doing. And, And I sat down yesterday and I just read through the whole book of Mark just to see how it just lays out and... It's not in chronological order, but I want you to know it is quick and it's to the point and it's accurate about what Jesus has done for the people that were around Him and what Jesus has done for you and I. It even gets into that. There's not very many teachings in the book of Mark. When you go... Referred when you go to John and Matthew and Luke and you look at those many many parables many teachings for the for example in the book of Matthew it's got uh, the Sermon on the Mount it goes on for three chapters Jesus's teachings very little teachings in the book of Mark it is more of this is what happened this is what happened this is what he done so you don't see very many uh, teachings. The book of Mark is the shortest book of the Gospels because it is quick and to the point. One of the, one of the terms that you find many times in the book of Mark is the term compassion. 
Because many of the things that Jesus done was motivated out of His compassion for you and me. It's compassion. So before we start now, let's lay down this foundation. I hope you've got your three, these three places that I've sent you to. Mark chapter 10 and verse 42. Mark chapter 10 and verse 42. Let's look to see what it says. But Jesus called them to him, and he saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great one exercise authority upon them. Now what that just said was, now if you're going to live in the world, understand that the lordship exercises his authority over the servants. There's kind of an order of command here. Uh, so a chain of command. The Gentiles will tell you in the world today, if you want to be somebody, you are the boss and you find people to work and serve you. But watch what Jesus says here. Verse 43, But so shall it not be, He's speaking to His disciples, among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, did you notice that? We as Christians are just the opposite of what it appears to be in the world. Jesus says, if you want to be the chiefest among this group right here, us Christians, then you should be the greatest servant in the room. That is completely against our world nature. That's completely against what we would want. But I want you to know, if you want to be a a Christian that stands out in the eyes of God, serve others. Humble yourself and be willing to serve others. I, you know, I, I've heard people say this, I'm just sick and tired of doing stuff for other people. I'm ready for somebody to do something for me. That is just the opposite of what Jesus says. If you want to be the chiefest among Christians... Be willing to serve others. Do you know what that means? In order for us to serve others, we've got to take our, our life out of the, 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 the uh, cross arrows and we have to put other people's lives in the cross areas. We're to look at them and see the desires that they have or the needs that they have. Let me, let me, let me mark that word desires out. We are to meet the needs of others. Jesus did not go and meet the desires that people had. He met the needs that they had. The second, illustri- or the second foundational verse that I want to use is found in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 1. And this is God is speaking about the servant that He is going to send. He says, Behold my servant. This is Jesus that the Lord is speaking of right here. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. 
understand, before Jesus ever came, He came, God sent Him to be a servant that would serve not just the nation of Israel, but that would serve the world. Now, let's look at this last verse, Philippians 2, verse 5. This is another foundational verse that's going to lay the foundation for what we're speaking of this morning. It begins in verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of a man. He took on the form of a servant, He was made in the likeness of man, but he made himself of no reputation. You know what? And I notice if you go through the Scriptures, many times when Jesus walks in to a crowd and on a scene, do you notice that sometimes it says, and he turned away and nobody could find him? You want to know why? Jesus didn't have much of a reputation. He did not stand out in the crowd. That is why the chief priest and the rulers... That's why they hired Judas. Said, Judas, we need someone to take our soldiers to identify Jesus because we don't really recognize him in the crowd. He just blends right in. Jesus was of no reputation. I want you to know when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he didn't wear a purple robe and a a snow white gown because he walked walked to the, the streets that were dirt. He walked with sandals just like everybody. He wore just exactly what everybody else. Jesus was of no reputation. He didn't come to this earth to have people goggle over Him. He come to serve you and I. He came as a servant. Verse 8, it says, And being found in the fashion of a man, He was God, but He was man. He humbled Himself and He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Now, verse 9, 10, and 11 talk about because Jesus came and was obedient to his heavenly Father, being our servant, that his name is, is, is above all names. It goes on to say that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, the things in heaven and the things in earth and the things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God uh, the Father. So we see these three verses right here give us a foundation that we understand now that, yes, Jesus in Matthew, the focus is that He is the King of kings. But as we look in the book of Mark, this foundation right here says, okay, we understand that Jesus came to serve as a servant. He came to serve as a servant. So now what we want to do, if we understand this foundation that He did come for that, well, let's just look at a few things that He did. Now, I'll promise you, if you gave a servant an opportunity, if I was to hire, let's just say I hired a servant at the house, and they had the ability to say, yes, I want to do that job, or no, I don't want to do that job. 
Well, here, servant, I want you to go in there and wash the dirty dishes. I hate washing dishes. I, I keep using that example. But I need you to wash the dishes. Well, uh, I'm really not in the mood to wash dishes today, so uh, maybe next week I'll get to them. Okay, well, listen, uh, there's a, the beds have not been made this morning. Could I get you to go in there and, and make the bed? Well, really, I'm right in the middle of this program. Do you mind if I wait until the program's over? Well, how many more minutes does it lack? Ninety. Uh, how long do you think that servant is going to work at my house? Not very long. Because in order for you to be a servant, what you've got to be, one thing you've got to be is you must be obedient in order to serve. They go together. Obedience and service go together. Well, we just talked about how Jesus has come to be a servant. Well, in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, it tells us that when Jesus came, He is on His way to the cross. He has left the upper room that night. He is walking through the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked His disciples here, listen, stay right here and pray if you would. He takes three of His disciples a little farther and He says, hey guys, man, my heart is breaking here. Would you please take time and just pray? And it says, And Jesus went a little farther, and this is the prayer that He prayed. He says, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Now what cup was He talking about? He was talking about the crucifixion. He said, Lord, if there's any way, if there's any other way, the verse says this, saying, Father, if Thou be willing, remove this cup from me, nevertheless... Not my will, but thine be done. This is what he is saying. He's saying, Lord, I am a servant. I am willing to be obedient to anything that you have called me to do. Lord, if it is to go to the cross, I'm willing to go to the cross. If it's willing for me to be humiliated on the cross. I was thinking about this the other day. Every crucifixion you see, it shows Jesus with some type of clothing on. Do you realize... The Roman soldiers didn't crucify people with clothes on. They wanted to humiliate them. Lord, if you need me to be humiliated in front of all mankind in the world, Lord, I'm your man. Lord, this is not what I want to do, but God, but Father, I have been called to be your servant. I will be obedient in whatever you have called me to do. Now, uh, we, we need to be careful here this morning because I'm talking about Jesus I hope we understand before this message gets turned around, the end of this message, God has called you and I to be servants. Okay, so while I'm talking about Jesus being a servant, you, you might want to amen and add a boy, but when we get to the end of the service, you might be going, oh me. Because see, listen, not only has God called Jesus to be a servant and to set the example for you and I, He has also called us to serve. Jesus took Himself out of the spotlight and He put you and me in the spotlight so that He might serve us. Another time Jesus sat down with His disciples in Mark chapter 9 and verse 35 and He called them and He said, If anyone wants to be, if anyone wants to be first, He must be the very last and the servant of all. I want you to know this week as I was 
as I was studying and reading through the book of Mark, I noticed something that I had never, ever seen before. I'm 58 years old. I've read through the Scriptures I don't know how many times, especially the Gospels, I don't know how many times, and I never saw this. I never saw this. What happens when you... (laughs) When you work hard at the end of the day and you come and you sit down, and I'm saying this because me and Susie were doing this the other night. <sighs> Honey, would you get me something? Yeah. <sighs> oh. What have I just what did I just do? <sighs> Sighing, is that a good thing or a bad thing? If I used, because this was so so exciting to me that I found this, I asked I asked one of our girls this morning. I said, "Now, if Mama calls you into the room, and you come in and you sit down, and your mom stands over you and goes, is that good or bad? Whew, that's not good. Something's when sometimes when you sigh like that, it's because you, you know." You tell your kids to clean the room. And you say, okay, I'm coming in there in five minutes. Is your room clean? And you go to the door and you open the door and you look in the room and you go, I really expected more than I'm seeing right here. Did you know the Bible tells us that Jesus sighed? I never heard that in my life. Jesus sighed. If you want to see that verse, look in Mark chapter 7 with me. And verse number 32, it starts there. And I want you to know Jesus, Jesus has been going from place to place to place. And He's healing everybody that He comes in sight to. I mean, he is casting out demons. He is healing the paralyzed. He's he's making the blind to see. Hey, listen, he's raising the dead. Evil spirits casting out demons. I mean, he's doing all of these things. And then he comes up on this person that is blind, uh, not blind, deaf and mute. He's not able to hear. He's not able to speak. And watch what it says in Mark chapter 7 and verse 32. And they they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hands upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude. He put his fingers in his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue, and he looked up to heaven. He sighed, and he said, Epratha, that is, be opened. And straightway his eyes were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plain. Notice what it says there that he done though. He said, listen, he said, we want you to touch this man. He's not able to speak and he can't hear. And it says, Jesus took him away from the multitude. He brought him over here by himself and he stuck his fingers in his ears and he put his fingers on his tongue And it says that he was able to speak and he was able to hear. But before he said, be opened, he sighed. 
Did he sigh because he was so tired that day? Did he sigh because it's like, my goodness gracious, when will these people realize that I am truly who I say I am? Do you notice, if you go through the book of Mark, it's not so in, in the other Gospels. When you go the book through the book of Mark, he tells these guys, he heals this leper man, and he says, now listen, don't go tell a soul what I have just done for you. But what did the leper do? He went and told everybody. He told these two blind men, he called them into their presence, and he says, listen, he said, what would you have me do for you? And they said that we would receive our sight. He says, be it as you have believed, but don't go tell anyone. My goodness, those two blind men went out and found a, a, a guy that had leprosy and brought him right back to him. I want you to know, Jesus didn't come here for fame or fortune or to get anybody's acclamations. He came to meet the needs of the people and I believe that he took this mute and deaf man and he took him over here to the side because he didn't want to make a spectacle of him. Jesus came to serve. And in a few verses, he's going to call us to do the same thing. He's going to call for us to serve. There was another incident here that we see in Matthew chapter 8. In verse number 10, and it says, Straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples, and he came into the parts of uh, Dalmaliath. Uh, I can't pronounce the word. And it says, And the Pharisees came forth, and they began to question him, speaking of him, or asking him to show a sign from heaven, tempting him. And listen to this, and it says, And he sighed deeply in his spirit. And I'm like, I can't believe, Jesus is human. He's God, but He's human. And it's, my goodness, when we went through the list of things, the people that He, 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 he healed great multitudes. He healed the demon-possessed, the afflicted with the disease, leprosy, paralyzed. Listen, He fed 4,000 at one time, 5,000 at another time. He's raised the dead. He traveled from city to city. He didn't just set up camp and say, if you want something, come here. No, he went from city to city. He did all of this. And then the Pharisees, these religious leaders, come to Jesus and they say, listen, if you're truly who you say you are, show us a sign. He's done all these things. There's witnesses. There's testimony of all the things that Jesus has done. Do you blame him? Lord, these calloused, hard-hearted people. And Jesus says, no, I'll not give you a sign. If you can't believe what you've already seen or heard, they, was, they, came, from the, he, they came for the magic show. That's what they came for. They said, show us a miracle and we'll believe. And he basically tells them, if you can't believe what you've already seen, this is a wayward generation. So Jesus heals those. We see that he's so human that he sighed. Only place in scriptures you'll find it that Jesus sighed is in in the book of Mark because he's a servant. 
One of the greatest scriptures that you can find in all the New Testament is this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Hey, listen, if you don't have this one highlighted, and this is one that you need to highlight, but this is what it says. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Now let me tell you, that's Jesus cleaning our dirty dishes. That's Jesus taking and serving us because Jesus had no sin. Jesus Jesus did not have coming what they done to him on the cross. Matthew chapter 16. Watch this. Matthew, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 22. Jesus has just explained to the disciples. He says, listen guys, let me tell you what's fixing to happen. We're going into Jerusalem. They're going to beat me. They're going to spit upon me. They're going to ridicule me. They're going to persecute me. They're going to kill me. And three days later, I was rise from the grave. And in Matthew 16 and 22, it says, Then Peter took him, took Jesus, and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But then Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. In other words, Jesus was saying this. He said, listen, Peter, I know you don't like what I just told you was going to happen. I came to be a servant to these people. I came to serve everyone in the world, for God... Uh, for God sent His Son into the world that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what Jesus came for. And this is what Peter's saying. Said, no, 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 God. Uh, Jesus, we're not going to let you go to, to Jerusalem and let them crucify you. We're going to keep that from happening. And Jesus pointed His finger at him and says, You get thee behind me, Satan. I know that that's what man wants, but I'm telling you, I came to give my life for everyone. That's what I came for. I am a servant that has come to serve in, in obedience as to what God has called me for. I'm going to ask you to turn to one more place. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse number 1. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. Thank you for using them this morning. This is the last night that Jesus spends with his disciples. They are in the upper room. They have had their meal. Where Jesus says, take this wine, for it is my blood of the new covenant. Take this bread, it is my flesh that I have sacrificed for you.
He has already instructed Judas to go and do the deed that Satan has called you to do to betray me. So now it's Jesus and the eleven up in this upper room. And this is what takes place. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that the hour was come, that he should depart out of this world and to the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put the into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, and that he would be going back to God, he rised from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel, and he girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel, wherewith he was girded. Then he cometh to Simon Peter. Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And we're not through with this, but understand what's taking place here. In the days that Jesus lived on this earth, the if you came to a person's house and you were their servant, the very lowest position, this is where the this is where the starting salary, or this is where this is where you began in this occupation of servant, is when guests would come to your house as they entered into the house. They would sit on a stool and that servant would come with a basin of water and a towel and they would wash your feet. People in that day either were barefooted or wore sandals or something that was always open to their feet. So while they walked up and down these unpaved roads, their feet would get dirty. So that was a custom in that day. The lowest person on the totem pole would wash the feet of the guest that came in. So when Jesus girded a towel around himself, and then he went and he knelt in front of each one of these disciples, Jesus is the one that had the power to raise from the dead. Jesus was the one that exhibited the power to save souls. Jesus was the one, and now he is bending down, and he is washing the feet of his own disciples. And when he comes to Peter... Peter questions it. Wait a minute, Lord, wait a minute. You don't understand. I recognize you as Lord. I recognize you as the Son of God. I recognize you as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And you're going to wash my feet? I don't think so. And Jesus says, hey, listen, you need to understand, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have no part of me. Because you don't understand what I'm doing right now. Verse number 12. So after he had washed their feet, and he had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say well, for I am. If I then, your Master and Lord, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is no greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy or blessed are you if you do them. The focus this morning, the primary focus of this message this morning is for you to know that Jesus, He came as a servant. You had one, the greatest need in all the world is the forgiveness of your sins. You have no ability to pay your sin debt. Jesus came and met your basic need, your sin debt. That is the greatest need that He's met. But then Jesus has gone one step further. This is what Jesus said. He said, listen, if I, your master, will sit down and wash your feet, you should be washing the feet of others. You should be humbling ourselves as servants and looking in the community, looking in our church family, looking around us to see and meet the needs of those who are around you. I have set the example for you to follow. So there's two things this morning. This morning, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm telling you this morning, Jesus paid a debt that you cannot pay. And that is for your sins. Simply ask Jesus to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, and save you. That's the one. If you're here this morning and you've been Christian for years and years and years, or if you're just a newborn Christian, I'm telling you, this is what, this is what your Heavenly Father, this is what Jesus has called for us to do. It's to serve others. It's to serve others. You want to know how people in the world are going to know that Jesus is the Lord? It's when He sees His people carrying out that same servanthood that our Lord has carried out. How long has it been? How long has it been since you woke up in the morning and you said the first one of the first things you said, okay, what can I do for someone else today? Ooh. Hey, listen, I wake up most every morning and I say, okay, this is what I've got to accomplish today. This is what I've got to do for me. This is what I've got to do for me. I need to do this. I need to do that. I, 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 I. But to be a servant is to look around us. It's to look around us and meet the needs of people around us. One of the greatest needs we have around us, there's people in this world all around us that don't know Jesus. And we have the answer if we would just simply share it. Jesus, servant. The book of Mark. Let's stand together. Father, thank you again for the opportunity that you give us to meet every day on Sundays, to come together and we praise you in song. You allow us to have a time where we open up your word. And I pray this morning as we've looked at this book of Mark that we've been encouraged more than being encouraged that we've been challenged. Encouraged because of what Jesus has done for us and the example He set. Challenged to go out and do what He has told us to do.
<laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that you tell us if we will do that, we'll be blessed. We'll be happy if we will follow through. Now I pray that you'll be in this time of invitation, a time that we've set aside to invite someone to respond to what they've heard this morning. So I pray that you'll be pleased with our response during this time. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You respond this morning.